0: Hello, welcome to Healing Out Loud episode 62 with me, your host, Jackie Shea. And we have a
1: lot of people that are buying a lot of processed foods or or pre-prepared foods. So
0: we need to be looking at those ingredient labels. I believe that if you want to overcome illness and thrive in life, then self-advocacy and hopeful connection through shared experience are necessary ingredients. Healing Out Loud is designed to bring you just that, inspiring, relatable voices that have made it through their darkest days and to ultimate triumph by advocating for themselves and engaging with empowering self-care tools. I want you to start healing today. If you like what you hear and want more, there are three ways you can stay in touch. Follow me on Instagram at Jackie. that's S-H-E-A-J-A-C-K-I-E, Join my newsletter at JackieShea.com or contact me directly through JackieShea.com and I will see how I can support you and meet your specific needs. If you missed the last episode with Sasha Alexander on Lyme disease, fecal transplants, and God, uh, take a listen at JackieShea.com slash 61. You guys, I am so excited to announce on here that I have opened for the first time ever the Healing Out Loud health group that I will be coaching starting in September. It's going to be amazing. We're going to get to spend really unique, special time together. There will be special guests. There will be so much opportunity for healing, creativity, taking power over your own health, your own body, and your own experience with health. If you want information on this or you're really interested in being a part of this very special um, opportunity, just email me or contact me through my website, JackieShea.com. Okay, in just a moment, we are going to meet my guest, Kara Henneberry. Kara is a dietitian and has her BS and MS in Health Promotion Allied Health Sciences from the University of Connecticut. Her diverse background as a registered dietitian nutritionist includes both clinical inpatient and outpatient support for pediatric and adult populations, but her true passion lies in applying an integrative approach to patient care in her private practice, pursue, Wellness. Kara has particular interests in food sensitivities, digestive wellness, nutrigenomics, and hormonal imbalance. Kara is a certified LEAP therapist and uses the mediator release test, the MRT, in practice to help symptoms associated with. Uh, To help target food sensitivities that may be contributing to chronic illness, inflammation, and symptoms associated with Lyme disease, migraines, IBS, fibromyalgia, and more cara places emphasis on the whole person and recognizes no two individuals are the same she applies a unique combination of functional nutrition with an integrative approach to identify the root cause of chronic health concerns using whole foods and lifestyle changes she develops personalized plans tailored to a patient's individual needs to facilitate preventative and restorative health her true joy comes from connecting with each person and helping them live life to the fullest. I'm going to dive in with Kara asking all sorts of questions about food and why she's interested in this subject. I'll ask about the Dirty Dozen and Clean 15 toxins in your home, how to eat well at affordable prices, what ingredients to absolutely avoid, why to read labels, and how to make ourselves top priority. Hi, Kara. Hello. How are you? I'm so great. How are you?
1: Doing great today.
0: I'm so pumped for our conversation today. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, we're going to learn a lot about food and about how to optimize our healing from our own kitchen and home.
1: Absolutely. So, it can be done.
0: I'm so excited to do that. So what got you into this line of work in the first place since you've never been on the show?
1: Yeah, so when I was younger, in my teenage years, my, my parents always were, I would say, kind of health buffs, you know, always focused on us eating healthy, uh, more whole food approaches, and I think what really hit home for me is when my grandmother passed away quite young of a heart attack, and it got me thinking, you know, were there things that she could have done from a nutrition standpoint that could have hindered that? So, that's when my love of nutrition began. It really was diving into how food can be medicine, really, and how it fuels our body. It's more more than just pleasure.
0: yeah, so you were really young, yeah, that's, so that's, that's she, young she was, to get into nutrition yeah, it was
1: yeah, it was about i was about I was about eighteen. I was about eighteen, but always more health minded, just simply from. The exposure from my parents,
0: right? And so then you you became a nutritionist, right? And yes, it, yep. and then after that, your mother got sick with Lyme disease. She did. Is yes, that correct? She, okay.
1: Yes. Yes, she was diagnosed. Well, she first came down with symptoms associated with Lyme about 2011, the year my husband and I got married, actually. So there was a little bit later in life I think I got married at 26. Yes. So it was it's been a process an evolution actually of my nutrition knowledge actually you could say because conventionally trained as a registered dietitian was my foundation but l- learning what my mom went through and then even myself with my own chronic you know illness and issues it's really provoked me to dig deeper into nutrition. And, and how
0: nutrition plays a role at the cellular level. Right. So it really took you to the next level of studying. Absolutely. And of, right. So what, what are your own health issues? So my husband and I are struggling with secondary infertility,
1: meaning that we had no difficulties with our first pregnancy. I have a beautiful, healthy daughter who is now five, and we've been struggling almost three years now. And they can't seem to find an answer. So they don't have any great answers for us. We've done the typical traditional reproductive endocrinology route where they've ruled out all the main things and they just said it's unexplained. So that's what we're dealing with now, not having any answers to why we're having difficulties.
0: Do you have, would you mind going into a little bit of how that's affecting you on an emotional emotional and mental level? Yes, it has been very taxing, very tolling.
1: It has brought my husband and I closer together, though, because we lean on each other. And I have a couple of friends, too, that have experienced this as well. I feel like it's a rising concern amongst a lot of women. Do you have any hypotheses? Yeah, I was just going to say. Okay, okay. I, I think it's a mixture of things. I think, I think women are starting to have families a little bit later than once was. And so I think age plays a role, but I think that our toxin exposures, the way our lifestyles are, so go, 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 you know, our stress levels are compounded, you know, more women are in the workforce now. So we're taking on multiple different roles at home on top of work pressures and certainly our nutrition. You know, the more, even myself as a dietitian starting this infertility journey, I've discovered that even myself, I had a ways to go with how I was preparing my foods, the types of foods I was ingesting. It's really made me stop and think about what I put in my body every single day.
0: Like what? What are some of the things that you've, you've come to see as pro- a little bit problematic in your life and in this struggle? In terms of food, or, in, or yeah, in terms and, of what you've learned about food, yeah, food, yeah. So there are
1: so many different enzymatic processes happening in the body that require all these different cofactors, so different minerals, different vitamins, so that our bodies can be really self sufficient. And I, f- I found that I, I really wasn't getting at the for the very basic sense of of this is fruits and vegetables. I really wasn't getting enough. And not only that, but I, I truly, I wasn't too concerned prior to this about my organic intake versus conventional. Mm. So really diving into the environmental working groups, clean 15, dirty dozen list was great and really focusing on where to put your money. Cause that's, that's a huge concern for people. Right. And they always say to me when patients come in, you know, what how can I eat healthy but not spend a fortune? And that's a real concern for people. And really looking at that list, so really what it what it shows is it breaks down. So the clean 15 are the 15 foods that your best bet is to buy them conventionally because they have less pesticide residue on them. And then there's the flip side, the dirty dozen. So the 12 produce items that you are best to buy organic because they have been found to have the highest amount of pesticide residue on them. So learning how to strategize your shopping list in terms of people that really feel like they need to be you know, conscious of their budget they're spending on foods. I always tell my clients to refer to that so it'll help guide you in terms of what you really truly need to be buying organic. So some of those foods are, the big ones are strawberries, spinach, Those are,
0: these are the dirty, these are the dirty items. These are the
1: dirty items, yeah. Kale is new this year. So the Environmental Working Group, the EWG, came out with a, a new list in March this year. It's typically every year at the beginning of the year. And kale was new to that list. So they're finding a lot more pesticide residue on kale. So I always tell, you know, my patients don't be afraid of these foods. Don't not eat them because you're afraid of pesticide residue, but just opt for organic on some of those items and splurge on those foods, knowing that the health benefits are so much greater
0: for those.
1: Right. But on the flip side, then there's foods that you don't necessarily need to be spending your money on. Like we had talked about the clean 15. So things like that have thicker skins or like bananas, for instance, or your melons or cantaloupes, those foods have the least amount of pesticide exposure. And for that reason, save some money and buy non, you know, the conventional
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you also mentioned toxins in your home, you know, and I think that it's a really good point that while you do have to spend more money on food, that's organic, you can actually save by making your own cleaners at home, right? And, and, and products are total endocrine disruptors. There are toxins in home products and in makeup products and in shampoos that are endocrine disruptors. And so that affects your hormones and your system. So you can save Steve, there, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, no, absolutely. We are huge uh,
1: essential oil people here at the house. My my mom is as well. You know, our we want to be using effective tools. Of course, we we want to be warding off you know the bacteria and using products that are that are effective, but but safe. So we're, I'm huge on thieves in the house, you know, some distilled water and thieves. Uh, what is thieves? It's, it's an essential oil. Oh. It smells fabulous. And we do a lot of our cleaning with that. It's a wonderful antimicrobial. So it's killing all the bacteria just as effective as, you know, the typical products on the market that have, you know, pretty harsh chemicals in them that, like you said, are have known hormone disrupting factors. So for someone in my position where I know hormones are at the core of what is potentially going on with me after doing my own research on what could potentially be wrong and going down a more functional path, which has opened my eyes and love for functional medicine and functional nutrition, is that hormones are at the basis of, of all of my struggles at this time. So yes, making sure that I'm eliminating anything that could be harmful have to you, the way my body's functioning.
0: Have you even gone into your makeup and your skincare and all of that? Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah you have to.
0: Is, even the smallest amounts,
1: you don't know really how much is being absorbed. And, and years ago, we weren't as concerned about that. But we're knowing now, we know our skin is you know, one of our largest systems, organs. And it is hugely absorptive. And I want to be lowering my exposure as much as
0: I can. As much as we can, right? Because it's like. As much as we can. It's That's like, the thing. It's everywhere. Like, we are being exposed every day, all the time. And I'm with you. Like, I really believe that the infertility stuff, like, I, I look, I haven't struggled with it myself, and I don't have children, so I don't, you know, have that direct struggle. But. I've seen a lot of people struggle with it and I've done some research around the age thing, right? Because that's like the that's what everyone's saying, like women are just waiting longer. And while I can see that that plays a part, I think the much bigger issue is the amount of toxic exposure we have these days versus what was happening, you know, you know 60 years ago when <laughs> when we were just beginning all our toxic exposure. <laughs> Like, we, beca- we became a society of convenience then, and we screwed ourselves, and now we're paying for it.
1: No, we are. It's coming at us from all different angles. Yeah. So trying to clean up, even if it's a couple things at a time, because I also get the, the other end of, you know, the spectrum here where I have patients saying, I'm so overwhelmed. You know, where do I even begin? Right. And it's not that we can be fearful, but we need to be enlightened in a sense that, we we can make small changes that and still decrease our toxic burden. It's small steps at a time.
0: Exactly. It's such a good point, Kara. And I'm so glad you brought that up because it is overwhelming. You know, and I like to tell my clients too, like, it took me years, years to clean up to the extent that I have, right? Like my dietary restrictions or changes initially were just like, okay, get rid of processed sugar, right? And like I did that for a while and then it was gluten and then it was dairy and then slowly I became a person that eats the way I do now, which is very, very clean, but it took time. And then again, with the makeup and the cleaning products and it just very slowly, very slowly
1: yeah, slow and steady, and that's and that's the way to approach it, so that you can focus on you know even a couple things from many different areas at a
0: time, right? But slow. So this is really a good point too on on cleaning products and on food and all of this, right? If people aren't buying produce, like what we were just talking about with produce. Um, or they're buying cleaning products at the store, one of the most important things for people to do is read ingredient labels. And beca- oh, yes. because things are very often advertised as natural and they're not really. So will, you, not, will you talk not. to us a little bit about the importance of reading ingredient labels and things that we should be looking out for in our foods, especially?
1: Yes, I'm such a... I am a stickler on this. We all need to be aware of what's going into our bodies. And and it's not realistic to think that we'll be able to ingest only whole foods, you know, only, you know, fruits and vegetables. It's just it's not possible. You know, we we are with the standard American diet, it is a diet of convenience and we have a lot of people that are buying a lot of processed foods or or pre-prepared foods. So we need to be looking at those ingredient labels. So I have a couple of things I'm always looking for that are big no-nos in my book. One of the first ones is MSG. So monosodium glutamate, it's in a lot of different hidden sources to it in in, in different wording on the label. They're a little tricky with this one. So it'll also be called hydrolyzed vegetable protein or yeast extract. Um, It's basically a natural flavor enhancer in foods. You'll find it a lot in Chinese food, you know, uh, prepared uh, bakery and pastry items a lot. And it definitely has you know, different side effects like headaches for most or or nausea, um, even chest pain or heart palpitations. But what I find most interesting about MSG is from a genetic perspective, because I also like looking at nutrigenomics. So how nutrition plays a role with how our gene expression happens. So people that tend to be really anxious people, You know, the people that their minds don't turn off, they're constantly, you know, in motion, MSG will likely further exacerbate that because of a gene known as GAD1. So if you're looking at genetics, we know that that gene, if working working properly, should be converting glutamate over to GABA, and GABA is the feel-good, you know, hormone, if people have an issue at that gene level, and they have a SNP, it's called a single nucleotide polymorphism, which basically refers to if there is a variance on a gene, it's going to decrease the effectiveness of that gene working appropriately at the enzymatic level. So GAD1 is a SNP that has a, basically, if you have variants on that gene, you'll have a difficulty converting, like I said, the glutamate into GABA. And so... If that is a person that's eating a lot of glutamate through MSG, and they're not converting appropriately, the high levels of glutamate will cause a furthering symptomatic expression of anxiety and that revved feeling that people get. Mm. So people that are you know, predisposed to that anxious feeling, MSG makes things a lot worse.
0: That's so interesting. MSG does a number on my body. I hate MSG. Oh, yeah. It makes me feel really, really, really bad. And so how do you do that gene testing? Like, do you test the genes first and then learn what foods you should stay away from? Or how does that work?
1: Yeah, yeah, it depends on people's interest level
0: and and what's going on with their
1: history. It's not something I do on every patient. Uh, For me, gut health is always the number one thing that we we're looking at during a consultation but it's definitely a great resource and the thing is with genes it just because we know you have certain genes it doesn't necessarily mean that they're turned off or turned on the idea is through diet you really can clean up your genes mm. and and really a lot of the food will will actually help turn on positive functioning of genes so or mess so it, them up it's just a or mess them up exactly right, exactly right. or the right or right the contrary where if people's diets are 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 very low in nutritional value, we could be harming ourselves. Right. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So what are some of the other like avoid at all costs? Because what I hear you saying about MSG is while it might not harm everyone to the same extent, it doesn't sound like it's doing anything good for anybody. No. Right. So so what are some of the other ingredients we want to kind of avoid at all costs? On labels.
1: Okay, so artificial sweeteners. Huge one in my book. We're looking at the ingredient label for items listed as sucralose or aspartame are the are the big ones that you'll find in a lot of, you know, no sugar added products. Uh, and then people are sometimes, you know, drawn to those because we're hearing a lot. You know, we're hearing avoid sugar, and people think they're they're doing good. Well, unfortunately, we're they're adding something to make it sweet, and usually it's an artificial sweetener. And we're finding a lot in the research that it's affecting gut health. Mm. It's furthering something called dysbiosis, you know, where it's furthering some of these bad microbes from, from doing honestly a number on the intestines and they're populating and, and causing large amounts of issues like inflammation and, and leaky gut and you name it. So I'm always, I'm always asking Patients are they ha- you know are they drinking diet sodas? Right. Where are they doing the you know the some of the juices out there or the you know the low sugar options where people think they're doing the right thing, but in turn we may be adding more to the pot.
0: Yeah. So what are so it doesn't it's never on the label or it's frequently not on the label as quote artificial sweetener. Never. So so we're looking at what are we looking at sucralose. Which is Splenda, you know, aspartame,
1: which is right. like an equal. So those type of of products, those are the two big
0: ones on right. the market that you'll see. Do you frequently. think? And and stevia. On another mm-hmm. note, because I just I feel like it's important to differentiate. Stevia is actually a plant, not really an artificial sweetener. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um so stevia is a better option if you see that. Stevia
1: is a better option. On
0: the label. Yes, you'll
1: see that as stevia or truvia. Yeah, those are better options.
0: Right. Or well, even for some people they're actually good options. It's been said that they kill Lyme bacteria, so you know, the yes. right kind. Um okay, so what else what else should we be looking at on labels? Food dyes are are a big one for me. Uh
1: they're hidden in a lot of different a lot of different prepackaged items, you know, hyperactivity in children. There's plenty of studies on its interference with that. Uh, it's very pro- pro-inflammatory, so it can cause a lot of inflammation problems. But so we have people dealing with, you know, inflammation as a whole, which we typically are with most people with chronic illness of some sort. There's an inflammation component. Mm-hmm. So food dyes, you know, your red food dyes, blue food dyes. If you're seeing those, those on the ingredient label,
0: you definitely want to avoid. What about, Uh, sorry, sorry, what about quote natural flavors?
1: Oh, yes. (laughs) So the FDA is very tricky about what about labeling and natural flavors. While some people would look at that and say, oh, great, you know, just like the cleaning products we're just talking about, it's natural, you know, I'm doing the right thing here. A lot of those can have uh, a lot of different chemicals just because it says natural. the the government is able to put chemicals
0: hundreds. into those products. There could be hundreds of chemicals actually dressed up in the in that word natural flavors.
1: Absolutely. So I'm always big on that, and you you'll see that uh, in a lot of drinks as well. And seltzers are, are a big one of that. A lot of people will say, you know, well it's, it's just carbonated water, and it says it N- says you know natural flavors, and so I'm always big about. Label reading for those reasons alone. You think you're having something very benign and simple and healthy, and it could be just further exacerbating some of the problems going on in your body at the cellular level. Right. Uh, Trans fats is another huge one. Anything that says, you know, hydrogenated oils, uh, partially hydrogenated oils. The good news here is the FDA did recently ban that last year, trans fats. But there is a loophole and a lot of these manufacturers have until I believe is now twenty twenty three to get them out of products because we found the research is is very, very evident in in the case of trans fats on its role in uh, in heart disease, and it increases the our, the bad, you know, fats in our body, the LDL. It decreases our good, healthy uh, cholesterol known as HDL. So it does a number on on the body. So we now know that at least in time, that'll be phasing out. But those are found in, you know, a lot of our fast food products and uh, a lot of our pastries and donuts and non-dairy creamers, uh, you know, some of our, you know, the whipped toppings that you find in the frozen section, all those type of products will have some degree of hydrogenated oil in it.
0: Mm. Oh my so goodness. I'm, big on, I'm big on avoiding those as well. Right. Okay. So what are your, some of your favorite low cost go-to foods that are highly nutritious? Like how can we, how can we like live this way on a budget and, and still, and get some tricks in?
1: Yes. Oh, absolutely. So I'm big on buying local when you're able, if you, if you live, you know, in a rural setting, or even if it's a little bit of a drive to, to commit to doing, you know, like weekly farmers markets, uh, getting to know your local farmers. A lot of them are not uh, technically organic because it's a very long process becoming certified as organic. But a lot of local farmers are not using any pesticides on their products and may be a great option, a lower cost option for you. Meat shares are also awesome if you live in a in a setting where that's applicable to you. So a lot of the farmers aren't using as many you know antibiotics and and or their grass fed animals. So and and those type of meat products offer a lot more nutritive value than you know ones that you can get at the store that are highly processed. Uh, you also can rely on even uh, some frozen fruits and frozen vegetables. You know the nutritional value is pretty comparable to fresh. So people always are blown away by that. The science has come back time and time again. They're very comparable for nutritional value. So it's a good, it's a good option and you can save some money. Frozen over canned, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Canned is another story because okay. then you're, then you're roping in uh, different additives they're adding. Usually it's packed with sodium because because it needs something f- to preserve, you know its essence. So sodium is usually added. You know, then you bring in the aluminum cans and the BPA liners. Canned when possible, best to avoid. Uh, buying produce during peak season is great. To find out what's in season, you know, down here in Maryland, we're in the middle of strawberry season. Uh, you know, f- going to pick your own, pick your own fruits, vegetables when you're able. Make it a family affair. It's an easy way. to to get involved in your community as well. Mm. And then wholesale clubs, you know, there's a lot of great options for different wholesale clubs. You know, your Costco, your BJ, Sam's, et cetera, has great options for in bulk or even just great products for organic produce. At some of these is excellent quality, a little bit less than your traditional grocery store. There's also something called thrive market, which is wonderful wholesale prices for organic items. They also do beauty products as well on there. Uh, so that's another great option as well for, for saving. And then we already talked about the dirty dozen and clean 15, really learning the foods that are best, uh, bought organic versus conventional because we know organic can be a little bit more pricey.
0: Right. Right. So, so helpful. So, are there any things that you buy that you buy in bulk that you're able to like make a meal more filling with?
1: It's the you really every meal I have, I focus on protein. Protein is what helps you keep your satiety, will help you keep you fuller longer, less likely to be snacking on, you know, less ideal foods. So I'm a huge I'm a huge component of making sure you have enough protein in each meal So Yeah. So sometimes and it's funny cuz you know as my in my conventional training as a dietitian it was all about, you know, food first, which I 100% agree. Uh but many of us aren't aren't getting the nutrients we need and sometimes it's it's really necessary to to get some extra supplementation to get, you know, these levels up.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Supplementation is is there for a reason. Sometimes we need it, right? <laughs> absolutely. Um great. Amazing. So, what is the gut brain connection and why is that important?
1: Yeah, so it's the more and more I I dive into this, the more I realize that the gut is involved in in so much. And what was interesting to me, I was actually listening to a webinar not too long ago and This microbiologist was describing the start of the human body in fetus form, and the brain and gut actually develop from the same tissue. Then they branch off. One becomes part of the central nervous system, which develops, you know, the brain and the spinal cord, and the other becomes the enteric um, nervous system, known as our second brain, people actually call it, which is our gut, right? Our, you know, our. Fascinating. It is incredible, and there, and people will will this will I think uh, register to most is when we have feelings of you know excitement, or we get like quote unquote butterflies in our stomach, or or even the sensation we get when we you know we feel. Um, you know, nervous and, you know, people sometimes have, you know, GI disturbances, you know, when feeling those nerves is, is that connection, the verification of there's signaling going on between the brain and the gut. uh, There are, there's more, there's more neurons actually in the gut than, um, and even in our central nervous system. So the idea is they talk to each other and our gut microbiome is so important because, if it is not working appropriately, a lot of our neurotransmitters are kind of born in the gut and stay in the gut. So, with things like our serotonin, you know, the feel good hormones. So, if we're not feeding the gut appropriately, or there's inflammation of any sort, it can disrupt that. And in turn, you could start seeing issues with uh, metabolism or mood or simply inefficiencies of our immune system if the gut isn't working. But for the but for a huge component is that mood, you know, depression, anxiety, a lot of people are struggling with. And a lot of times we're finding if we're really getting to the root cause, it's looking at the gut and what we can do to make changes with the microbiome in the gut, the microbes in, in, in your gut.
0: Yeah, wonderful. So, would you do a so with your patients that come in? I know you said you start with gut health right away. Do you do a test right away, a stool test? A lot of times, we'll either do a stool
1: test or uh, an organic acids test Mm -hmm. are are the big ones we we typically do because it gives us a real good indication of what's happening in the gut at uh, its most basic level. And then usually, yeah.
0: And then you look at like what to eliminate from there, what to add, what's happening, how to detox, right? Exactly. All of the above. Yeah, we're looking at what we
1: can do to optimize that gut at hundred percent. And a lot of times people, especially people with chronic illness, even specifically Lyme disease, is that whether it's the chicken or the egg, they're finding a huge correlation between Lyme disease sufferers and leaky gut, likely because of the large antibiotic usage that's going on for the treatment portion of it. And in turn, that could be leading to these tight junctions in the gut separating slightly and causing inflammation, specifically reactive to foods. Uh, in, In general, food sensitivity becomes a large... Portion of of the assessment process when I see a patient. And that's why I also, along with some of the stool testing and organic acid testing, we're also doing food sensitivity testing in terms of uh, using MRT, usually the mediator release test. And that's kind of like the gold standard of the food sensitivity tests. And we're finding that even simple foods that you would consider as healthy, and this is where it goes into functional nutrition as it really isn't a one-size-fits-all, it needs to be individualized, is that some people could be simply reactive to spinach or you know, even salmon, for instance. It's crazy to think um, some of these foods that are quote-unquote healthy, but some people's immune system react differently than others. And when they're in an inflamed state and leaky gut is present, there are foods that you once maybe tolerated that uh, you may need to eliminate for a period of time
0: to heal. Right, right. And oftentimes with the food allergies, right, you can take them out for a period of time and then you can usually bring them back in. Absolutely, yeah. It's an
1: elimination style and then you're adding things back in. Some people find that it takes many, many months to, to add back some of these really severe reactions that, that come back mm-hmm. uh, with the, the test shows because it breaks it down into, you know, your least reactive, your moderate reactive and high reactive And some people, it really takes maybe some or six months plus of some of these high reactive foods um, to find success and healing.
0: Right, right.
1: Fascinating.
0: Okay, let's take a quick break for the self-care tool. Welcome to our self-care segment of the podcast where we arm you with new affordable and easy to use tools in each episode to kick some self-care butt. My hope is that you will come to collect a number of ways to take care of yourself inside and out so add these to your toolbox and watch your inner resourcefulness grow with each use. We are building up your defenses inspiring your mind body and spirit toward total wellness and freedom. Let's dive in. Okay, Kara, what is our tool this week? So making yourself
1: a priority. And I always use the analogy that you're on the airplane and the flight attendant says, you know, if the oxygen mask come down, assist yourself first, put the oxygen mask on first before you assist others. Because I find that with chronic illness, there's... Sometimes a sense of guilt when you're dealing with your own struggles. Maybe you have kids at home that you're taking care of or maybe you have, you know, older parents that you're caring for as well. Whatever the situation, we have so many different pulls in all these directions. But making sure that you're taking time for yourself daily. Whether it's something as simple as a 10-minute meditation session or booking a yoga class or talking with a friend or getting outside for some fresh air and sunshine, committing to at least a few minutes a day that you can be putting yourself first.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And this is such a good, such a very good topic, right? Like you can't, you can't keep giving from an empty cup, right? So as a, as a mother and a wife and a practitioner with clients, how do you really do this on a daily basis? I mean, you do it imperfectly because we all do, but what, what are some of the tricks you use to really make sure that you're putting yourself as a priority?
1: It's hard. It's hard. It's, it's a commitment. It's a commitment and whether or not it's it's something that you talk about as a family so that everyone knows, you know, that you that it, this is part of the schedule and really making it a part of the schedule every day. Whether and, and a lot of families will do, and we've been doing this a lot lately too, is saying, Okay, before dinner every day we're gonna spend 20 minutes outside and we're gonna go for a walk and we're gonna get some sunshine together as a family. Whatever brings you joy. Sometimes it doesn't always have to be isolative, that it's only by yourself. It can be something like that, including a family time together or doing something you enjoy. Whatever it is, it's it's but it's scheduling it and, and committing to it. So is when the biggest
0: So when, I know, and it's so true. It is scheduling it and committing to it. And usually, it's actually, there's been research done around this that when you schedule something, that when you put it in your calendar, you're actually a lot more likely to be committed to do it and to carry it through and follow it through. So how do you do that? How do you schedule it and commit to it? Do you do it like the week before? How do you do that? What's your process? Yeah, Yeah, usually for me, it's looking at the
1: week because every week could be different for people depending on their work schedules, their children's schedules, et cetera. Usually for me, I do a lot of reflecting and planning on Sundays. That's just my day, but you can pick any day or, you know, any time of day that you feel like you have a moment to outline your week. You know, usually if I do it more than that, it's, it's overwhelming for me. So what but whatever makes people feel good, some people will do it by month. They'll take up their calendar and say, okay, let's look at the whole for me. I like doing it on a weekly basis. It's just it's just a way for me to
0: check in and remind myself of my priorities. Right. And then you'll schedule in things like meditation or or walking outside or sunshine or friend time or whatever it is for you.
1: Yeah, I know absolutely. And I I absolutely love this app called Headspace. It's one of my favorites because a lot of people don't realize the importance of the connection of the mind and the body in in both a physical and mental perspective, especially with healing with chronic disease. There was a fabulous documentary on Netflix called Heal that is wonderful, and uh, there's so much to say about that mind body connection and. For a while, before I dealt with my own struggles and saw my mom dealing with her own struggles with Lyme disease, I don't think I put too much thought into that component and how important it is, not just for meditation, but, but practicing some of these mind-body techniques. And Headspace with, with meditation has been really helpful for me because on the app, it does guided practice. Because I wouldn't really know where to start. I'm one of those people that would have a hard time just sitting quietly for 10 minutes and zoning out because my mind's always going. I'm one of those people. So the app is great because it's guided. So he talks you through what you should be doing at every step until you become more an advanced practitioner in meditation where you can be doing these things, you know, subconsciously. You don't even have to think about it. But for me, it was nice as a, as an amateur.
0: Right. Right. I love that. That's wonderful. I, I know that that app too, and it does get a lot of positive feedback. So that's great. I will link to it in the show notes. Um, I have to do the same thing, you know, as a, as a really, as a busy coach and, you know, in my relationship and in my own self care, like I really, my schedule is pretty jam packed these days. And so on Sundays, that also happens to be my day, I take a look at my schedule and I make sure I actually use color. So all of my self-care is in pink highlighter. So I can see just how much self-care is in my week, anything from exercise to um, breaks, just breaks in in my schedule, to therapy, to my coaching, to um, a spa day or a massage. I mean, not a spa day, but like a Korean spa night. Or a massage or friend time or meeting. There are all these things that can count and I'll just um, put them in pink highlighter so I can really see either just how much or just how little I have scheduled for myself that week. And if it's not enough, then I need to pare down on the other things. And I need Absolutely. to cancel. I, I need to cancel some commitments. Um there is another person I recently listened to a podcast and she talked about doing it on Fridays. She was like Friday afternoon, look at your next week and if there's anything on there that you are not pumped about, you go cancel it. <laughs> and it really helped me. Really helped me because it isn't just about like squeezing in self-care. It's about having an having some like luxurious space for self-care Um, because when it's just getting squeezed in like that, you know, oh, I have five minutes to do cat cow or whatever it might be there. It's just not enough.
1: No, sometimes it's not. You're right. So it's really scheduling it in. I love that idea of even color coordinating, whatever feels good, whether it's, you know, scheduling on, you know, electronically or making, you know, making lists, you know, even the old fashioned, simple pen and paper. And for me, it's kind of cathartic, right? Because I, I like being able to see the week. I like, I like the having it all in front of me, so I don't feel like I'm forgetting something. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom actually had just said to me the other day she had she had read that a lot of people are putting a pen and paper by their, uh, by like on their nightstand um, by their bed, for the people that wake at night and feel restless and have a, a lot of things going on in their mind, and just so that they can not have to get out of bed, they can write. So they can remember, they can then uh, drift back to sleep. I, th- I found that was interesting because mm-hmm. I have that mentality too where where
0: sometimes it's hard to turn off. Yeah. So I like that suggestion too. Absolutely. Awesome, Kara. Thank you so much. Where can we find you? I am at uh, pursuewellness.us. Uh, awesome. And you are the That's daughter of Cindy Kennedy who came on this podcast and you work with your mom. And um, so you guys are both at Pursue Wellness. So if people want to reach out to you, they can see you there. Are you on Instagram or Facebook or anything? Yes.
1: Yes. We're on both. Okay. Great. Yep. It's uh, Pursue.Wellness on uh, Instagram and then uh, Pursue Wellness with Cindy and Kara on Facebook. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Kara. Are there any other words you want to leave us with? No. No. I I appreciate the time today and uh, I think if if people leave with one thing it's uh, knowing that simple small changes can make a huge impact uh, down the road so start uh, small
0: I love that thank you anyone who's listening and think getting like anxiety about all the things all the things it's so true it really is just one little change at a time that can make a huge difference thank, absolutely thank you All right. Thanks, Jackie. Thank you so much for listening to Healing Out Loud. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Find me at Jackie on Instagram, my favorite social media platform. And follow me at JackieShay.com if you want to stay in touch. You can also write to me through JackieShay.com if you're interested in working with me as your trusted wellness companion. I'm always happy to hear from you with any questions, comments, or concerns. You can also join the Healing Out Loud with Jackie Shea Facebook group. Have an amazing week, you kick-ass humans. I hope you're able to implement what you learned this week, and I can't wait to share more. Bye.